The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. And, oh, yeah, it is Thursday, April 29th, and it is draft day. The draft has arrived. There are 40 million mock drafts and out countless hours of speculation about what the 49ers will do. It's time to get to the draft. But before we do that, we got to get some burning questions. Final draft preview here, sprinting into the end of things with Josh Edwards. What's up, buddy? Not too much. So uh, to set the stage a little bit, I'm enjoying my lunch earlier today, uh, catching up on yesterday's podcast, uh, the mailbag with with Wilson and, and Breach. Um, and I just I hear Wilson say that he makes a pick specifically to submarine the Browns uh, to make them implode <laughs> from the inside. So uh, just so he's aware, I'm interpreting that as a shot across the bow. And, I thought he uh, mentioned you by name. I think it was actually he, he, he specifically mentioned it mentioned me by name. So uh, just so he's aware, uh, he should be prepared for a long snapper in tomorrow's final mock to the Steelers. <laughs> for the Steelers at the first, or 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 just give him what Wilson wants—a running back in the first round. Which no is, doubt. Yeah. I mean, what are we doing here in Pittsburgh? So we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about the Steelers draft, plenty of other stuff. Reminder: every night after the draft, we will be recapping it on. The podcast, of course, but on YouTube live, if you go to youtube.com slash pick six, you can watch our live reaction shows and you can chat with us about what happened in the draft. We will be taking chat questions throughout the, throughout the podcast. I, I assume, uh, unless Debo, you know, blocks me again and you can join us. So come hang out at youtube.com slash pick six after the draft. If you, if you go and subscribe now, you will get an alert when we go live. It'll be a fun time. Me, Breach and Wilson breaking everything down. Go check out our bold predictions in the feed, plus plenty of other draft content. I have my one and only mock draft on the site, too. If you want to get weird, if you want to read a weird mock draft, go and check mine out, because it is it is unlike any other mock draft you will see out there. I promise you that. Have you seen it yet, Josh? I looked it over a little bit. I saw uh, Cody Benjamin posted it, so I was, I was looking through it a little bit. I, I can't help but think some of those uh, picks were maybe a little um, – motivated by some wagers that you have placed. <laughs> I mean, I do find sometimes I feel like it's better to mock not what I bet. Like you know what I mean? And then yeah. that way if if I'm wrong on my mock, which is a win-win. Like I don't care if I'm wrong on my mock. Right. I mean, you know, you want to be right, but if I'm wrong on my mock and I'm right on my bets, that's that's perfectly fine with me. Uh this time I decided to lean in though cuz I think that the top end of the draft is fairly clear cut. But I also said that Teddy Bridgewater would get traded sometime before the draft ended. So that's, I'm already right on one thing and the draft hadn't even started. If you want to watch a, if you want to watch some content during the draft, make sure to check out the fantasy football today crew because they will be live all three days of the draft, breaking down the fantasy impact of all the picks. Join CBS fantasy analysts like Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard, Heath Cummings, NFL analysts like Pete Prisco and our own Ryan Wilson, plus former players like Brady Quinn and Bryant McFadden on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday on the fantasy football today YouTube 
channel, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. Get your questions answered in the chat room and start your 2021 fantasy football prep early. Remember, everything live on youtube.com slash fantasy football today. Mentioned Teddy Bridgewater. He got traded on Wednesday. We're recording this on Wednesday as it happens. So again, in case, you know, in case you're listening at like Thursday at 10 a.m. and somebody's tweeted that it is Justin Fields going third overall, which is entirely possible. But Teddy Bridgewater traded and leads off our burning questions because how Josh does Teddy Bridgewater's trade? And we'll get to the Broncos and the, you know, the Broncos set up in a minute, but how does that impact the rest of the draft, including the Broncos at nine and the Panthers at eight? I don't think it has a huge ripple effect. I mean, at this stage of his career, he's probably a low tier starter to maybe, you know, a, a competent backup in the NFL at this point. Um, I did see the projections from Stephen O and he, um, was a bit of an upgrade over Drew Locke. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think this takes Carolina or Denver out of the quarterback market. And, I, and I'm not sure I'd read into the fact that, you know, it has any indication on what Denver might do or what could possibly happen in terms of trade-ups ahead of Denver's pick. Well, we have can see in the market that on William Hill, the Broncos, what they're going to do with their first pick has been removed. I can tell you that on my local which is typically a little slower to react than maybe a, a, you know, William Hill or, or any other, you know, primary outlet like that. Cornerback was to take a cornerback in the first round was like 650. Now it's down to five to one offensive lineman down to two and a half to one linebacker three to one and quarterback, which I believe is the favorite yesterday is all the way up to three to one as well. In, in other words, I don't think. You know, Adam Schefter tweeted that per sources with Denver, um, you know, it doesn't take the Broncos out of drafting a quarterback at nine. I, I think that's true. You know, with Teddy and Drew Locke, you could take Trey Lance. But in my opinion, what Teddy Bridgewater is in 2021 for the Broncos is exactly what Nick Foles was in 2020 for the Bears. He is a safe and I don't, this is, this is sort of a pejorative comment, I guess, but he's, he's harmless. Like, Teddy Bridgewater, you don't, you don't, you know, you don't trade for Teddy Bridgewater and he storms in and demands to be the starter. He's going to play George Patton, the new GM there is the, is with the Vikings when they drafted him. Teddy Bridgewater's going to be thrilled to get out of Carolina because he wasn't going to play unless Sam Darnold got hurt or was just stunk the joint up. He's still going to get paid. Maybe he takes a salary reduction, but he's going to go there in my opinion as competition for Drew Locke, but he's probably going to lose that competition. Drew Locke is going to start the season, and if he struggles at all, there's going to be a quick hook, and they're going to go to Teddy because his floor in the Broncos' minds gives them a quarterback that they can stay afloat with, with what I think is a pretty good roster. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. The roster is set up pretty well for them to be competitive if they get some some reliable quarterback play this year. Um, the path to possibly taking a quarterback would be you're still open to trading Drew Locke, um, and then if you bring in a rookie quarterback, you've got Teddy Bridgewater that can be this veteran presence um, and possibly start. I mean, in, in the event that it's Trey Lance or Justin Fields and you're not comfortable starting them from day one, uh, you've got a veteran like Teddy Bridgewater that, that you can start immediately and allow those guys to continue to d- develop before you throw them into the mix. So, uh, like I said, you can see a path for either direction. If they don't go uh, quarterback, I would not rule out offensive line either. I think that's an area where they could possibly upgrade uh, if you're trying to make the quarterback, whoever it ends up being, more successful. Yeah, I I just don't think you want to go. I mean, I understand why you would go Trey Lance. 
I don't think you can go Mac Jones or Justin Fields, not with two guys already in. You know, if, if, if they're, if you believe Mac Jones is a top five prospect in this draft and he falls to you at nine, take him. I, I don't care. You know, same thing with Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. You know what I mean? If you believe that, you shouldn't pass on them just because you traded for Teddy. But I think most of the time you see with these teams, when they have two quarterbacks that they like, they're pretty unlikely to draft a third one with a top 10 pick because they can add a J.C. Horn or a Patrick Sertan or someone like that, you know, a, a quality young def- defensive player or, a, you know, offensive lineman. I don't think they'd go wide receiver at that point. I don't know who will be out there for him. But, th- you know, a blue chip player or a trade down and, and you know, grab a Christian Darisol or something. To me, it would just be very surprising if they – they went quarterback in this spot. Yeah, I mean, that all makes sense um, for the reasons that you laid out. It, it'll be very interesting. I mean, it's a similar situation in Carolina. You've already got a guy there that uh, you would feel comfortable starting. Uh, I just don't think it takes either one of those teams out of the market. So I, I, I think it actually spiced up the draft a little bit more than anything. I mean, uh, we've got some narratives to talk ourselves out of making certain picks. Uh, and in the, in the back of our minds, it's still very realistic. So that just adds to the intrigue of this draft. Yeah. I, it, it certainly does. I, oh, Mio Mayo. I think one of the interesting things, Justin Fields over under, by the way, now seven and a half. Trey Lance now six and a half. So the <laughs> working, which I don't really understand and the unders are heavily juiced. Do people think that, that the Falcons or Bengals or Dolphins are trading out? for somebody coming up to get a quarterback? I don't think that's happening. I think they're sitting pat and taking blue-chip skill position guys because they know that there's a huge drop-off here. I still think the Falcons are the wild card. I would not be surprised if they took a quarterback themselves or traded out to a team that would be interested in taking a quarterback. Um, that's the only kind of hiccup in this whole process that I kind of see because, as we've discussed previously, I mean, that's kind of – the tipping point, tipping point for a lot of the wagers that people have on, on, uh, tomorrow's action. Indeed it is. Uh, Fields, are you, are you, are you still on the Mac Jones thing at three or do you think it's Lance? I, so my head tells me that it's probably Mac Jones, but my gut people, continues people are, to say it's, it might be Trey Lance. So people are, and I, I don't, I'm not saying calling you scared, but yeah, I, understandably. People are scared. People want to be right in their mock drafts, you know, and I get it. So they would much rather go with Mac Jones, even though it doesn't make any sense to them. And I, and it very well could be Mac Jones at three. I still think it's going to be Fields or Lance. You know, we'll see how it all shakes out. Um, you know, you can get four to one on Fields. Oh, I like the under on Fields too. I'm going to probably talk myself into, into doing it. When you look at another question about a trade up and you mentioned the, the quarterback spot. Who do you think is most likely to trade up and what would it cost and where would they go? To me, it's still the Patriots. Uh, everything that Bill Belichick has done this offseason just kind of leads me to believe that he is fully back in the seat of being competitive this year. They obviously fell short of the playoffs uh, last year. And, um, you know, he had to sit there and watch Tom Brady win a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, which only fueled the narrative that, hey, Tom Brady can win without you. Uh, what are you capable of doing without him? So I think he's a prideful person. And if you look at this roster, quarterback's the most glaring need. Um, so in my opinion, New England still presents the biggest uh, opportunity for a team to move up in this draft class. I don't know if it's going to be the back end of the top 10. Um, I don't know if it's possibly in the early teens that they're going to be able to do that. But 
Um, I projected a pick to number seven with Detroit. Uh, that's actually been a, a popular projection for me, a team that by all accounts is probably looking to gain some draft capital uh, in the Lions and then the Patriots obviously moving up to take a quarterback. But I think it could get done for a 2022 first round pick, uh, which is a little bit more than what it typically would cost on the trade value chart. But if there's interest from multiple teams, um, then you're typically going to have to drive up the price a little bit. I kind of looked at some of the trades that we've seen over the years, uh, and typically it ends up being about 20% over the trade value charts recommendations um, for these deals to happen. So uh, that was kind of the starting point for for what I did between uh, Detroit and New England. It, it's sort of like the Mac Jones stuff, right, where – it, you, the Patriots are the, it, it seems so obvious that the Patriots are going to trade up. And I actually had them trading up in my mock draft. I had them trading from 15 and leapfrogging the Vikings and going to 13 in a trade with the Lions who had traded from seven to 13 in a trade with the Chargers, with the Chargers going up to get Panay Sewell who fell to seven. You re- reunite Herbert and Sewell. I, I think that Tom Telesco would be willing to do that. I think the Lions would love to do it. I don't think the Lions want a quarterback, and I think you're right that they would love to trade out. So it makes a ton of sense for – Detroit's going to find a taker at seven. It's just going to happen when it's on the clock, and they may have to take a little bit less than market value, whether it's the Patriots. And maybe they get a couple offers. You know, Maybe the Chargers are trying to trade up and want Sewell because they, they think they have to get past the Panthers. Or maybe it's the Patriots who say, we want Justin Fields, Mac Jones, or – or Trey Lance, you know, who, cause one of them should be there barring some really surprising developments. And that's sort of why you have those over-unders for Trey Lance and, and Justin Fields at seven and a half or six and a half is that the belief is somebody's coming up with Miami. Somebody's coming up right. with Atlanta, with, with Detroit, excuse me, in the trade. I saw Joe Marino tweet out. I have an interesting, uh, little idea. I don't know if you saw this. Patriots trade with the Panthers and send Stefan Gilmore. And the fifteenth pick and a future fourth rounder for number eight. What do you think about that? I like it. I mean, Carolina is one of those teams that we've heard could be interested in one of these quarterbacks. Um, I think Joe Person reported that, and you know, I think you've discussed it on the podcast a few times as well. Um, they're in an ideal situation if they end up being the destination for one of these teams to trade up because the draft at that point really plays into their needs. Um, they need offensive line help. They need wide receiver help. They need cornerback help. There's a lot that they need on that roster. So to potentially move back into the teens would be an ideal situation. I think if you're Carolina, um, because you're still going to, you're still going to get one of those players that you covet in all likelihood with five quarterbacks going in, in the top 10 possibly. And you're going to pick up some extra draft capital in the process. So I do think that the Lions and the Panthers make a lot of sense for any of these teams. They're looking to trade up because maybe Denver was just trying to tell teams, hey, you know, maybe we're not as desperate as you think we are. Maybe they were trying to lull these other teams into a sense of security um, so that that's nobody traded up in front yeah, of them. That's you've, been, you've been putting on my galaxy brain tinfoil hat if, you, if you're trying to suggest that. I, Dolphins fans got mad at me when I suggested a smokescreen with uh, the um, Eric Flowers trade. It's like, oh, they gotta go Sewell now at six. It's, no, they're trying to trick somebody to train to four to take Sewell so they can get Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase because they accidentally moved too far back and didn't realize it until they got, you know, they got on the clock at six. 
Unless they're convinced that Atlanta is going to take Pitts and uh, Cincinnati is going to take Chase. But to your point, I don't think they, I think, I think they think that's what's happening. And they're, they're like, oh, crap. We just assumed the Falcons were taking a quarterback. But I think I think they would have made that waited to make the trade maybe on draft night or after the draft if they, if they were truly in the market for Panay Sewell because now it looks like they have to go in that direction, um, which to your point, you know, might lead some teams to think that hey, we need to get up or uh, possibly take this guy ourselves before Miami does at six. Well, let me ask you this then: did did the did the Dolphins they got a bunch of picks and I get it. But they, they, I mean, they moved down three spots. They got a, basically one extra first rounder and you can add on whatever else they got, but they gave one back to Philadelphia, obviously, to go from 12 to six. Did the Dolphins trade too early? I think they did. I mean, nobody knows for sure, but them because obviously they have a board. Uh, so if there were three guys that they, they feel comfortable with at number six, then this is all kind of a moot point. But, um, I, firmly believe that Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts were probably their primary targets. Uh, now the conversation then turns to, okay, are they okay with Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell if both of those guys are gone, which I think is a very real possibility. Uh, obviously the Tua Tonga-Vailoa connections between those Alabama guys makes it a little bit more enticing, but... Both of them, both of them said they like Mac Jones. <laughs> well, yeah, there's, there's that. So that could be a little awkward uh, locker room dynamic, but... Um, you know, who's to say that if they had traded back a little bit, they wouldn't have been able to get one of those players. Uh, obviously Detroit wants a wide receiver, but I don't think, I think Carolina is probably likely to go in a different direction this year. Um, then you look at Denver, who's not going to take a wide receiver. Dallas isn't going to take a wide receiver. So then you get the Giants and the Eagles. They could realistically take one of those players. But, um, if you were able to slide back a little bit, you'd still probably have a good chance to get Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle without having sacrificed what they did to move back up to number six. Yeah. I, I, I guess I'm sort of wondering if they'd waited till now and they were still sitting at three, would they be able to get a bigger offer from another team? And I, maybe the answer is no, because, you know, we have the, the, the chargers at 13. I mean, the Vikings aren't coming up that far. I don't think Carolina or Denver would have given up a bunch of, Maybe this is the best offer that they were going to get for the number three overall pick. And they decided to, to make the move. Now you sort of, you wonder like, Hey, San Francisco, why don't you trade with Philadelphia to six? And then we'll talk about going to three once we get a little bit closer. I don't, I don't know. It just feels like, feels like they moved too early and I understand they got a ton and they didn't have to move down far. So maybe it works out all well and good. It just, just, just worth asking. I think the. Any anybody else strike your fancy as a trade up team? The Cardinals have gotten a bunch of buzz as a team that could move up. Uh, the reports are they want to go get Jalen Waddle, which good luck because you got to go to four or maybe seven. I, you could get to seven and get Waddle, I suppose, if it goes Pitts, Sewell, Chase at four, five, six. But I think there's a pretty good chance that Waddle goes six if it goes Pitts Chase at four and five. Yeah, it's very possible unless Miami trades back. I do think Waddle would probably be the pick if Miami stayed there. Uh, and maybe that's part of their hesitation for not trading back a little bit is because they know there's some other teams that have an interest in those two players. Um, Arizona is certainly interesting because, uh, I know they're, I know Larry Fitzgerald and AJ Green are at kind of the twilight stages of their career, but you're talking about, um, one of the wide receiver cores with the most names 
in that room that we've potentially ever seen. I mean, it's just absurd with AJ Green and Larry Fitzgerald and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and you possibly throw in Jalen Waddle to go with Andy Isabella and Christian Kirk. I mean, um, that's going to be a team that a lot of teams are eyeing during the offseason to see if they cut one of those one of those uh, one of those players, whether it's Kirk or Isabella. Um, but that one, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I don't think they're a Jalen Waddle away from competing this year. Um, I think probably a cornerback, although they did address it in free agency, is probably a better path for them in terms of making an impact this season. Um, so that's been an interesting one. Arizona has been interesting. Uh, you know, we've, we've heard some other teams that might be interested in trading up for one of those wide receivers as well. Um, potentially the Vikings or the Chargers try to get up for one of those offensive linemen that they fancy. Um, I mean, there's a number of different directions that we could possibly go. I, I think it's probably too rich for Washington or Chicago to get up for one of those quarterbacks. Uh, unless you present a similar situation like what you just touched on with, um, San Francisco and Miami, where you say, Hey, get up to this pick first and then, and then we, we'll talk. Yeah, yeah. That's hard to do on the clock. It's certainly plausible. It, you know, the thing about this draft, and we've talked about it a lot. I, th- I mean, I think we talked about it a lot. You know, you sometimes you get into this draft stuff and you feel like you have, like Wilson definitely feels like he is beating the living snot out of a, a dead horse with Mac Jones written on it. And I want to tell him, you gotta, you gotta hit that thing harder. Cause you just like, you want to, you want to plant your flag on Mac Jones Island? You gotta beat that, be, I mean, you gotta hit that drum until no one else can hear anything but you yelling about Mac Jones. Um, but we, you know, we, we talked, we feel like you talk, over talk about this, but to me, the drop off, Josh, where it occurs in this draft at 12 and 13, depending on how the quarterbacks work, just with the blue chip guys, like we want to take the three top, top wide receivers, Waddle, Smith, Chase, you have Pitts, you have Slater and Sewell, and then you have the two corners in Horn and, and Sertan. To me, that's the group of blue chip guys. And the problem for all these trade situations is that teams like the Falcons and maybe the Panthers, you know, the Lions, they want to trade down, but in order to trade down, you're kind of having to take a, these teams, nobody wants to, nobody wants to trade up because it, it's right. too expensive and nobody wants to trade down because you end up in a situation where you get outside of those blue chip guys. And maybe you like Darisaw, you know, maybe you like Caleb Farley, whatever it is you're still, there's still a lot more risk. It feels like outside that. So I sort of wonder if we don't see a fairly minimum number of trades until we get outside that group of blue chip guys. So I ended up with 15 players with first round grades in this class. Four of them were quarterbacks. Um, and I think we see five quarterbacks taken. So you're possibly talking about top 16 is where you're safe. If you want to take, um, and obviously that varies by team, but top 16, reasonably top 20, you know, is where you're safe to get one of those first-round caliber players. Uh, now, granted, I did have Caleb Farley as one of those first-round picks, and there's obviously questions with his medical history now. Um, so that's – that's it's it's very interesting because all of these teams have a different view on Caleb Farley and his health. But at the end of the day, like, if you want to get one of those blue-chip players, you can't afford to trade out of the top – you know, 20. It's just, you're not going to get one of those blue chip players. And at that point, I think you're getting just as good value in the late first round, all the ways, you know, the early third round, you know, there's not much right, of a exactly. distinction it's, between it's a mishmash of prospects from like 20 to 50. At this point, we've heard about 50 names tied to the first round. And there's a reason for that. That's because 
once you get past that top 20 group of players, everybody has different rankings. Everybody has different levels of comfort with players and their medical history or what have you. Um, and there's that, you know, you, you, you're going to take some players in the first round that probably have second round grades. That's just the, the nature of the business. Um, so when you're expanding to second round grades, that's where you open the door of, you know, 50 possible players that could be taken in the first round. I was looking up the Ravens draft picks to make an example of this. I didn't realize it, but PFT, Pro Football Talk, has apparently gotten to the SEO game. Ravens draft picks 2021, colon, full list of Baltimore's draft picks, comma, order for every round. Didn't see that coming. So the Ravens have 27, 31, and then do not have a second round pick. They have 94 and 104 in the third round. And I point that out as an example to bring up, in my mock draft, I had Aleem McNeil going to the Ravens at 31. Aleem McNeil is not in anybody else's first round of any mock that I have seen. Now, unabashed Homer here. I got an NC State helmet over my, over my shoulder. I get that he's not, you know, considered a first round guy, but I think it is a good instructive example because if the Ravens really like Aleem McNeil and they have him, let's say they have him on their board at the, at 45, right? Is, is that, I mean, is that fair? You know, his over under, I think is down to 50 something was in the seventies. Let's say they have him at 45 on their board, the 45th best player. At 31, if you can't trade back and you have two third round picks, you're not picking again until 94. And you've, you know, I mean, let's, you get the point. Maybe 45 is a bad example, but the point being is like, if you like him at 31, but you wish you could trade back to get him, you take him anyway. You know what I'm saying? You don't, you know, 45 is a bad example. Let's say they've got 25. Yeah. And their top 24 guys are gone. Like, well, this isn't where we would normally draft the guy. It doesn't matter. If you don't have that second round pick and you don't, you're worried that you won't be able to trade around and move around to get him. I think we might see a lot of that in the back half of this first round. And maybe we see a lot of guys trade back into the first round. I think that's very possible too, given that the teams involved are, you know, the Packers, the Ravens have two picks there. The Saints are always willing to move around. Sometimes they jump up in the first round. Patriots are a little too high to trade out, you know, to trade. I don't know if they'll trade back in, but who knows? I, I think that's where we'll see more of the trading in the second half of the draft. Well, as we look back on previous drafts, um, what history tells us, what precipitates trade action, whether it's in the back half of the first round or the second round, wherever it is, is a run on a position. So if you're talking about, uh, four cornerbacks possibly going between number, let's see, 16 and number 20, number 30. We'll say that for the, for the bills because they're very possible to take a, a cornerback themselves. Sure. Um, if there's a run on the position, then some of these teams that maybe had a cluster of cornerbacks are saying, you know, Hey, if we don't jump up to get this guy right now, we may miss on a position that we really need to be competitive this year. Uh, so that's what spurs action. Um, you know, the running back position. Uh, if the Jets are sitting there at the top of the second round and Najee Harris has already gone, like, do they make a move into the back, another third round, you know, a third first round pick to get either Travis Etienne or Javante Williams? Um, that's the kind of action that we might be seeing. It just kind of depends how the board starts to fall as you get to that point in the first round uh, and any teams that make sense to possibly jump up and, and fill a need. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, risers and fallers as we head towards the kickoff of the draft. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Risers and fallers happen. This is just how it works, guys. Who And it's really going to happen this year, Josh. I mean, again, talk about guys who will sneak into the back end of the first round. There are going to be names that people didn't see in mock drafts. There are going to be names that people, a lot of, I didn't see that coming. Oh, who had that guy in the first round? When you're doing your mock, just toss a name. I mean, you know, if you, if you, if you think he's a viable prospect, there's nothing wrong with somebody going to the first round just because He's not in the first round of a bunch of different mocks. It's just how it's going to work. So let's talk about some guys who risen up in the process, including a pair of Georgia cornerbacks, Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes. Yeah, I like Tyson Campbell a lot. Um, you know, I had him as a likely first round pick, not a first round grade, but a likely first round pick. Um, you know, even a month ago, what kind of concerns me is his lack of ball production. He's great until the ball is in the air. Um, and then he just doesn't have the, the ball skills to show for it. Um, great at staying in phase. That's, you know, for a, for a team that's looking for man coverage, that's going to be his, his, uh, wheelhouse. Um, and then Eric Stokes, I've talked about on this podcast previously where, um, you know, a coach in the NFC had told me, Hey, you know, this, you, you might want to take another look at this guy. He's going to go a little bit higher than, uh, maybe where you've got him projected. Oh, I forgot so, it was Stokes that we talked about on the podcast the other day. Yeah. Yeah. So we did talk his about over under has shot up by 20 spots. Yeah. It was 57 and a half, 60 or in that range. And now it's like 35. Yeah. So he's a little bit more scheme dependent in my eyes. He's got great speed down the boundary. I think where it starts to become a little issue is, you know, when he's asked to transition to the field. Um, that's kind of my biggest concern with him. Uh, so those are two guys that, you know, could potentially rise up into that first round conversation. But back to your earlier point, you know, we're talking about the amount of information that, uh, People do not have, you know, people in the media industry, like typically the NFL combine is this congregation of minds where everybody kind of shares information. Hey, where do you have this guy ranked? What do you think of this guy? Um, Because we didn't have that in-person scenario this year. um, A lot of stuff has had to be done over phone, you know, as, as these teams kind of catch up on these prospects, the coaches and everything like that, there's none of that in-person contact. So now, um, in the final month of the draft, when maybe these conversations are having with people in the media, it could all be misdirection. I mean, you can't believe anything that you hear this time of year. So, um, you know, what might have been valid in in February had there been a combine is completely outdated now. Anything that you hear, you have to take with a grain of salt. So 
that's why this is so interesting. I mean, you may hear a few guys that may realistically get into the first round, but a lot of what you hear is going to be misdirection, simply put. So uh, that's what makes this all interesting. And guys who could fall, you have listed Jalen Phillips, Micah Parsons, and Caleb Farley. Phillips, 18 and a half ever under Parsons, 12 and a half. I've seen 14 and a half out there too. And Farley, 20 and a half. I've seen 23 and a half and 28 and a half in terms of the over-unders. Again, we say this, these over-unders are not necessarily indicative so much of what the sports books are hearing so much as what they're trying to gather information and adjust those lines before people who, you know, think they can beat those lines figure out a way to do so. Uh, but you know, Phillips, Injury, previous injury histories, a lot of off-field stuff. Parsons, off-field stuff. You can Google it. It's kind of weird. Um, makes you wonder about Penn State. And uh, Caleb Farley, if Debo didn't already make you wonder about Penn State. And then Caleb Farley, multiple back surgeries and a torn ACL. I mean, that's, you know, that's a, that's not a great look for a cornerback, especially in the first round. Yeah, so um, as we talk about, you know, where some of these players might be taken – there's going to be more risk averse teams. There's going to be teams that are maybe willing to make that leap. Uh, Tennessee is a team that we've talked about is potentially, you know, willing to, to make that move for, uh, to make a gamble and take one of those players that other teams have red flagged. We saw that with Jeffrey Simmons. Um, there was a report today that maybe the Saints are interested in moving ahead of Tennessee, uh, because Caleb Farley is a target of interest. So, um, you know, we're starting to hear some of this information. Where, you know, if you're talking about several teams looking to get a cornerback, uh, that's going to spur some trade action in the bottom half of the first round and the early part of the second, like we previously discussed. Yep. Um, but to be clear, this was an article for, uh, Ryan Wilson, Tra- Traps and I as well. So not all three of those, those guys were mine specifically, but, sure. um, I do think there's some truth to each one of those guys. Now, uh, you all had to come up with a potential faller. Right, right. And each, each one of those guys has their own question marks. So, you know, in a year where we don't have as much information, you kind of, uh, sort through your mind what makes sense. And these three guys make sense as potential followers in, uh, tomorrow's or today as you're listening to this, uh, today's draft. Um, you know, Parsons, like you said, his off-field issue, that was my personal pick because I have heard, you know, through some interviews, there are some concerns, um, with him. And then, like you said, there's some Google, Googleable, uh, the word that you came up with uh, a day or two ago, um, <laughs> things that, you know, are, I don't, I, I, I think they're just allegations. I don't, I don't know much more than that, honestly, but stuff that teams certainly know about at this point in time. So all of this is just a matter of comfort where these teams feel comfortable, um, taking these guys in the first round. All right. Let's talk about one other question you guys asked. Lastly, uh, who will be the next pick at the skill positions after the big names? And so for quarterback, we'll start at six. Five guys are the five obvious ones. And there are over under five and a half at William Hill right now for uh, quarterbacks in the first round over five and a half plus four, so four to one, which is a huge number. And under five and a half is minus five fifty. Who is the sixth quarterback that gets drafted here? So Traps and I agreed on this. We both went with Stanford's Davis Mills, um, a guy that has a little bit of Baker Mayfield in him in, in terms of, you know, being a smart quarterback, cutting the field in half, being good on bootlegs, that kind of stuff, um, which, you know, most NFL quarterbacks are pretty successful when it comes to bootlegs and uh, action and stuff like that. But a guy that's just he's he's accurate. He's got a high football IQ. He's very limited in terms of ex- his experience. So um, I don't know how comfortable teams are going to be willing to throw him out there early. 
but a guy that has, you know, some maybe untapped potential that is going to entice a team to take him in the bottom half of the first round. Uh, a little spoiler alert, I'll probably have the Buccaneers taking him in the, at 32 tomorrow in my final mock draft, um, a team that possibly makes sense to groom the heir apparent to Tom Brady. Well, I hope you're right because I erroneously took the over at five and a half quarterbacks. I'm always a sucker for that. Teams are going to trade back in and get the fifth year option. This guy needs to get a quarter. Anyway, um, wide receiver four. So the big three there, of course, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle in some order, depending on how you feel. Kadarius Tony's over under is 30 and a half. I believe the two Moors, not related, are set at around 27 and a half and Bateman somewhere in that same range. Who do you think is the fourth wide receiver off the board of this draft? So Ryan went with Rashad Bateman from Minnesota and Traps went with Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. Um, honestly, I think that's probably the correct answer. Uh, I did try to provide some additional, you know, context there because I think that Kadarius Tony could, could possibly be that guy as well. Um, it takes one team to fall in love with the speed that he has at that position. Um, I don't think he's as clean as those other two guys, but would anybody be surprised if Urban Meyer fell in love with uh, Kadarius Tony and possibly traded up a little bit to get him uh, to add a little speed to that offense? Not, not in the slightest bit. And I, I have the over four and a half running backs in the first round. So I think we see some combo of the, I think both the Moors, maybe Bateman and maybe Tony. I mean, I, if I could get an alt over five and a half or six and a half on the wide receiver prop, I would probably, I would probably take it. RB one is the question. We need to get, you know, something the big RB. I think the three most popular running backs in this draft class and the odds reflect this. Najee Harris minus 190 to be the first running back drafted is over under 27 and a half. Travis Etienne plus 160. Javante Williams six to one at William Hill. And then after that, kind of a cliff, right? I mean, Michael Carter, who was one, I, Either one or two for Emory Hunt, which is really surprising, but he, you know, everybody else is 60 to one, Trey Sermon to be the first running back off the board. Who do you like as RB1 in this draft, Josh? So my personal RB1 is Javante Williams, but, um, as I think the example that I used previously on the podcast was, uh, similar to your conversations with Frank Stample. You, you have to talk a little bit about game flow, uh, yeah. and the teams that might be interested in taking a running back. Um, you know, so, Pittsburgh, Najee Harris makes a lot of sense for him. Uh, if he's already been taken, which is potentially the buzz, we've, we've heard that maybe Miami is interested in Najee as well. Um, obviously the connection there with Tuatanga Vailoa. Um, and then obviously Travis Etienne is, is probably the second favorite to go in the first round. But if Najee Harris is gone, then, you know, it wouldn't be unlike, or it wouldn't be unreasonable to think that, uh, Pittsburgh prefers a, a former linebacker that, um, is patient like what they had in Le'Veon Bell to possibly take at that pick. But I think it is trending in the direction that Najee Harris is the first running back off the board. Um, I will say that Travis Etienne, if the Jets end up making the first first pick at the running back position, I, I think Travis Etienne might be a, a fit for New York. Ooh, spicy. I've got Etienne as the first running back off the board. I'm a little scared to take over half a running back. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's minus two sixty three or minus three hundred, and you're just laying a ton of juice, and it's just not weird if a running back falls out of if there are no running backs in the first round. Again, this is going to be a weird draft. I think running backs should provide some comfort for these teams because you know once you get into the mix, you know Caleb Farley, elite prospect, but multiple back injuries, whereas you could just take Travis Etienne and you're going to be happy with him. 
He's not yeah. gonna be bad, but it is a running back. It is a you know a question of uh, draft capital. Uh, finally, I will say before we go. move on, the Jets and the Dolphins both have early second round picks too. So that's part of the conversation. You know, do those teams wait to get a running back there as opposed to possibly taking one earlier and risking getting a lesser quality player at a different position in the second round? So uh, that's the conversation. That's what makes this um, wager so dynamic. Is if Miami and New York don't take a running back then Pittsburgh at, you know, their pick makes the most sense. And back to the original point, Najee Harris uh, just seems like a Pittsburgh back. And, you know, if you, let's say you take, you're the Jets and you take a cornerback with your second first round pick. Well, you know, maybe you get sniped on all three of the top tier running backs. Then you just draft Michael Carter in the second round, you know, and you can live with that. I think, you, you know, that's the question. Are you, is the upside of getting one of those top three running backs plus, whoever else you get, and then, you know, worst case, you end up with Michael Carter. Is that worth it? To me, the answer would be yes, just because of the value of running backs. Finally, tight end. Who, uh, the, of course, the first tight end off the board would be Kyle Pitts. He's actually the favorite to be the first non-quarterback selected, and uh, that juice has been trending upwards. The over-under for tight ends in the first round, one and a half, and the under is minus 550. Who do you think will be the second tight end off the board, Josh? Yeah, I don't think we're going to see two tight ends in the first round. But uh, Ryan, Chris, and I each had a different response to this question. Wow. And uh, we all actually meant it, which kind of gives you an idea how the tight end position is kind of dynamic this year. Um, Ryan went with Pat Fryermuth from Penn State, uh, Debo's boy. And then uh, Traps had Brevin Jordan from Miami, who's kind of a move tight end. I think he'd be really good fit for possibly San Francisco or Arizona, but not in the first round. Uh, and then finally, my pick was Tommy Tremble from no- Notre Dame, who was a little bit overlooked, I think, because they had this outstanding freshman named Michael Meyer. Um, looks like baby Gronk. He's, he's already drawn that nickname, uh, and will be a fantastic pro one day, but he kind of overshadowed, overshadowed Tommy Tremble, who, um, is inadequate, you know, in pass protection. He's very athletic, good speed across the middle. So, um, I went with him as my tight end too, but honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if, if any one of those guys ultimately was taken behind Kyle Pitts. All right. I love it, man. Good stuff, Josh. Uh, excellent breakdown of the burning questions. I know that we're recording this on Wednesday, so it's a little, it's not quite the same. And I say, are you excited for the draft tonight? Uh, but when, you know, one more sleep. And in the case of podcast listeners, it's tonight. Draft happens. Again, make sure to check out all our coverage on YouTube during the draft. YouTube.com slash fantasy football today. And then after the draft, live pick six podcast, YouTube.com slash pick six. Josh Edwards, you are a hero for grinding through this draft season. You, uh, only, only three more sleeps until you can rest. Yeah. If my newborn will allow me, that's kind of been an oh. issue the past couple of days. So congratulations. Uh, yeah. Very, very eager for Sunday to arrive, but, but, uh, excited for the days to come as well. Thanks, buddy. Always fun. 